Welcome to the Sisters in Zion podcast with Danielle and Kirsten, who are best friends and active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is not an official podcast of the Church. This is a safe place for sisters to gather through conversations to draw closer to Christ. Hello friends, this is Danielle here with you. Happy Sunday or whatever day it is you're listening to this. I'm actually here by myself because Kirsten is getting on a flight today coming here to San Diego and we have a big conference this week. So we wanted to at least like say hello to you and I wanted to follow up from our last podcast and read to you like I told you I would the story of that guy who wrote the compilation of all the church resources to understand better how evil spirits work in our lives, the reality of them, and how he overcame his pornography addiction. So that's what I'm going to do is relay his story so we can just be connected with you this Sunday and Kirsten and I will be back together on the next one. So so his name is Scott Gillespie and he is freely um, outspoken about his experience because it's just an amazing, you know, uh, transformation that he's had really. And from the knowledge that he's gained on how, you know, with his own past, as well as how evil spirits have worked on his life and compulsively compelling him to get into pornography. So his experience is really touching and I hope it can shed some light for those of you who maybe know some family members that are struggling with this and maybe some if you're maybe your mother of um, teenagers and just keeping them aware and helping them combat so that they don't get exposed to this stuff. So His story starts out, I'm going to read it to you and we'll kind of interject comments as we go, but it says that he says he was first introduced to pornography at the age of six by his 40 something year old neighbor. So then he, I'm just going to read his writing as often as I possibly could. I went over to his barn where he had several books filled with the worst types of pornography imaginable. I looked at them every chance I got and was quickly addicted by the time I turned seven. That's so young, you guys. I want you, you know, noting that your little kids, educating them, helping them have this shield against this awful evil of pornography or any other type of addiction that we get exposed to. So then he continues, as time passed, my addiction worsened and my view of women became horribly twisted and distorted. I grew up regarding women as less than objects. They had about the same utility as a toilet, something to relieve my physical urges and nothing more. I could not get enough of pornography. I was as drawn to it as a man dying of thirst is to water. I felt like something inside me was urging me, driving me to it, almost like I was being forced to look at the filth. I was simply unable to control the compulsions. And he has compulsions in bold and underlined. So this is a really key part of how evil spirits play a role in addiction. Okay, continuing on, he says, I was unable to control the compulsions that were driving force behind my addiction. I needed different perversions to satisfy my compulsions and cravings. Just like a drug addict, I needed more to get the same effects and it had to be new and different to get those effects. 
I so am so grateful for him sharing his experience because I think it really sheds light on the internal turmoil and just the urges and the things going on for those in addictions. And it's just, he's got a great perspective. I'm grateful that he's being willing and vulnerable to share his path. Okay, continuing, he says, my neighbor eventually moved away, but my craving for pornography did not leave with him, with me. I began or with him leaving, sorry, I began looking for anything to satisfy this craving. As a preteen and a teen, I lusted after any woman who remotely fit the porn profile. Advertisements in store, catalogs and flyers, newspapers, magazines, TV ads, literally anything with a photograph of an immodestly, immodestly dressed woman or one in the flesh I could lust after was fair game. Interesting, interestingly enough, I did not pay much attention to women who dressed and acted modestly. Eventually, I began experimenting by doing some of the things I had seen in my neighbor's books. When I turned 19, I made the mistake of going on my mission without resolving my past sins. The next two years were the most miserable, depressing two years of my life up to that time. After I returned home, I got married the first time 15 months later. 15 months after his mission is what he means. I never said a thing to my wife about my addiction. After all, I only considered it to be a problem. So I'm going to pause right here from his story and just talk about what we've read. So one of the biggest mistakes that happens, one of the biggest lies that Satan tells us with anything that's addictive or any type of problem, right? Is he minimizes it like that. It's just a problem that it's not really an addiction. It's not that serious, not that big a deal. So when you're dealing with maybe your family or your, you know, your children, especially, and they just, it's a problem on, I'm fine. I've got it under control. Just so you know, it's usually the big mask that Satan uses and it's not okay. And so just being extra aware of the lingo Um, I like how he did point out and he put it in bold that he didn't pay attention to women who dress modestly because, again, those compulsions were really to satisfy the urge of his addiction. Okay, so we're going to go back on. I lost where I left off on his reading. Hold on a second here. Okay, it says, I fought my problem, in quotes, without success. I would go for long periods of time without looking at porn, but I always seemed to be drawn back to it. Four years later, that marriage ended in no small part due to my own addiction. I then went on to be married two more times. So he continued this cycle and I think he's, you know, wonderful that he's sharing that he, how the cycle continued in him and that he abstained from pornography for a time, but abstaining isn't overcoming. And that's a big deception that Satan uses as well. That one, that it's a problem. And the second that you abstain. So you're, you're not addicted anymore. Addiction and anything that is um, a sin for, you know, for example, has to be completely given to the savior for the atonement or you're just swept it under a rug. Okay, let's move on. He says, for the next 29 years, I had an on and off again relationship with pornography. I knew it was wrong. I tried to stay away from it, but something inside of me kept driving me back to it. It was like a bad horror movie where one of the characters knows there is a hideous beast lurking in the shadows. 
He knows that eventually the beast will come for him, and when it does, he will be dragged off, kicking and screaming, and there's nothing he can do to stop it. So, so he's sharing his journey of just how helpless he felt. He says, It should be noted that I also suffered from depression during this time from my addiction, along with several years of sexual abuse I suffered as a child. I had isolated myself from everyone. I built a wall around my emotions and gradually hardened my heart. My depression increased as I got older until I felt suicidal for the last 11 years of marriage to my third wife. During this time, I also became addicted to powerful prescription narcotics, morphine. I abused the drug to the point where I nearly killed myself from an overdose, but I simply did not care. I was addicted to the morphine for 11 years. You can just see the um, the valiant spirit inside of him wanting to go on a mission, wanting to not look at pornography, wanting to not be addictive, wanting to do what was right, trying to get married, um, you know, maybe even in the temple, but to good, you know, to good women, trying his hardest, the good valiant spirit, but the addiction, the evil enticings were so strong. It just kept him going back and it's, you know, not until the savior can come in and getting rid of the evil influences that are really what freed him. He says, What I did not realize was that I kept sabotaging myself. I tried and tried to stay away from pornography, but I kept feeding my evil desire. Because I grew up an addict, my view of women was horribly twisted. Consequently, this view of women was normal to me. I literally thought that all men looked at women the way I did. I never understood that what I was doing was lusting. It was simply normal to me. I figured that if I was not looking at photographs of pornography, I was not really lusting after women. This was how bad I kept sabotaging myself. I kept admiring the beauty of women everywhere I went. Shopping malls, grocery stores, church, you name it. I believed in the wisdom of the world that says that all men look at women and this was simply part of being a man. I kept my evil desire alive because I could not stop looking at women. I did not learn that this was wrong until I met and married my eternal companion. So you can see after years, I think this is really hindsight for a lot of people that helps out with what you're, what you're going through, that when Satan gets in and especially with pornography addiction, it twists their view of women and they start to normalize, right? Start to justify and normalize and think, oh, everybody looks at women this way. It's just okay. It's totally normal. It's the urges of man. And all those lies become a norm and that they just continue in that cycle. It feeds, it feeds the cycle. Okay. He continues within a couple of weeks of our marriage, my, my wife knew something was drastically wrong with me. I had told her my usual lies about a problem I used to have with pornography, but she saw through this. She saw that I could not stop looking around at women. Then she looked at me through spiritual eyes and discerned the problem. You see, my wife has an uncommon spiritual gift. She has the ability to discern when a person is possessed by evil or unclean spirits. About a month after we were married, she concluded that this was the case with me and told me so. I told her she was crazy. I knew possession happened, but I had been steeped in the wisdom of the world. I knew that possessed people were usually crazy and off their heads. They either had superhuman strength, levitated, projectile vomited, or some other such phenomenon. 
The wisdom of the world told me that if I had been possessed by an unclean spirit, it would have been glaringly obvious to anyone. She continued to tell me that I was possessed for the next year. During this time, I began to understand just how much my wife did love me. She helped me through the drug withdrawal and how much I had come to love her. I also began to understand that I truly did have a problem looking at women, but my pride got in the way and I would not admit it to my wife. I tried to lie my way through our marriage, but she continued to see through those lies. I really did want to overcome my problem with pornography, but that beast in the bushes was coming for me. Inside me, I knew it was inevitable that I would succumb to temptation. I tried everything I knew to resist, but I was slowly being dragged into their layer of the beast inch by inch. Finally, one year after we were married, I gave in and I indulged in pornography. It was not very long, but I had reached a critical decision point. I knew that I had finally found my eternal companion, and I had done the one thing to her that would cause her to leave me. I also knew that I had a choice. I could go on like this or get well. I decided I would do whatever it took. I would sacrifice, he has that like uh, italics, whatever it took to get well, even if it meant giving up my eternal companion. I went to my wife and told her every single thing I had ever done wrong in my life, things that I had never told another human being. I hurt her horribly, but my honesty kept her with me. I then went to my bishop and confessed to him everything from weaknesses to strengths and sins I had ever committed, including ones that I had previously confessed. I wanted a totally clean slate. Then I surprised him by telling him that my wife suspected I was possessed by an unclean spirit. I told him I wanted a blessing and for him to cast it out of me. The bishop was a bit skeptical at first, but he anointed me and gave me a blessing. He rebuked any unclean spirits and commanded them to depart. When my bishop said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I felt what I can only describe as an angry beehive inside me. It boiled up inside me for a moment, then felt like it reluctantly stepped out of my body. When he closed the blessing, I jumped up and told my bishop that I felt them leave me. He told me he heard them leave me. He heard a whooshing sound as they left. From that point forward, I was a different person. In addition to the compulsions, I also had other objectionable character traits. One in particular was homosexual tendencies and interest in homosexuality. This trait, along with several other traits and the horrible compulsions, were completely gone. When the unclean spirits were expelled, they took their compulsions and imposed character traits with them. What remained was some horrible conditioning, some bad habits, but without the compulsions, I was able to change the conditioning. That process took about four months of difficult, concentrated effort, but I was successful. It felt like the Holy Spirit took me by the hand, guiding me and teaching me how to change my life. I am now completely healed from my addiction. And I have been spiritually reborn. I have no fear of the internet. And the very thought of pornography fills me with dread and revulsion. I am even uncomfortable around immodestly dressed women. The old saying, once an addict, always an addict, is not always true. With enough faith, anyone can be healed of anything. 
and that's the end of his writing. I think his story is very powerful. I am so grateful for him for opening up and being vulnerable and sharing just all of that. That's like his innermost, like embarrassing probably in fears, but he has such a powerful journey in showing the reality of evil spirits and the compulsions. So I love how, let's break it down. You know, when we talk about addictions in psychology, it really is this compulsion and then, which gives you the big, strong feed of dopamine, right? And then you're in a time where you're like, okay, I'm okay for a minute. But then the compulsion comes back, which just wants you to feed it again. And he discovered through his experiences that once they were able to do a blessing, they anointed. So if you, if you, let's look at this, right? They anointed him, his bishop anointed him and asked in the name of Jesus Christ that any evil um, influences and spirits leave his body. And they were, and the priesthood, through the priesthood, they were absolutely commanded to do so. And they did. And they left his body with a whooshing sound. And he said it was like a beehive, it felt like. And since that time forward, he talks about, right, his compulsions, the compulsion, which is the hardest thing to resist in addiction, it left. He still had images and things and conditioning um, that he had to work on and change some pretty deep behaviors that had been rooted in him, probably since a child, since he even opened up about being sexually abused as a child and some of that. Um, he had to resolve and get some turn the to, over to the atonement. But see, that's the key. If you can cleanse, right? Cleanse yourself. Don't invite those evil spirits in. Go to the priesthood. Go to someone, you know, with that priesthood. Put their hands upon your head and offer this uh, blessing with the oil and anointing and command in the name of Jesus Christ to, to have those evil spirits leave. And I'm not, I'm not a huge expert on this. I'm just giving his story and recapping it. But if you can get those compulsions to leave, how much better is it for you to be able to overcome and turn your bad behaviors and the things that you were conditioned to believe and, and live, right? To turn those over to the atonement, turn it over to the Savior, Every moment, you know, today in church, every time I, I would have like some somewhat of a selfish or negative thought, I would just go, I would just immediately imagine myself kind of bowing my head down and saying, I'm so sorry and turn it over to the Savior. And I imagine my hands just offering it up to him and him taking it. And because evil can't exist with him, it just vanishes. It turns into light. And I just imagine this. And I have to do this consistently just with my thoughts. And so addiction or not, we all have this ability to just say, just catch ourselves. And I work on that every single day because the thought comes, if we don't catch it from the thought, it becomes an action and we can act out and ignorantly and rudely to other people and judgmentally, all these things. So I, if I can catch it at the thought level, how much cleaner and purer my heart and my intentions can be when I do interact with people. So that's what I do is I am every time a little thought comes that I am recognizing is not, you know, from God, then I just imagine my head bow down, my hands forward, I hand it to him, and I'm just, and I say, I'm sorry, forgive me. And I imagine him just taking it and smiling and loving me again. And he's, of course, he never stopped loving me. But that's just the imagine, you know, the visualization I do to help me rid myself of 
any unclean um, or temptations or judgment, any type of thoughts that are not of God. So I hope this helps in reading his story. Again, his name is Scott Gillespie. And I'll, I'll give you, you know, he's got an email on here. And he does say um, to that, you know, any... You know, you can contact him for any questions or comments, he says, regarding this work or help with addictions, write or email to, it's called unclean.evilspirits at gmail.com. I love that he's just offering, you know, his story and what he's been through and, you know, that if any, if he can be of any help to cleanse that he, not, not necessarily do the blessing in a sense, but just, you know, offer you hope from his story. He's happy to. So again, the um, email is unclean.evilspirits at gmail.com. And his name is Scott Gillespie. I hope that helps. I've really been inspired by hearing um, his story, um, especially as a psychologist, as of course, anything with um, the brain and with our behaviors really interests me. That's why I study deeply our, you know, human behavior. And I just, um, my hope goes out to all of you in, on this journey and that you can share this with others who may want to listen to a story of hope. All right, you guys, we love you and we'll see you guys next time on Sisters in Zion. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Sisters in Zion podcast. Music is compliments of Marshall McDonald and can be found on his Sunday Best album. You can share this podcast with others through your podcast app or Podbean website. Join us next week for more experiences, enlightenment, and conversations to draw closer to Christ.